0: Uh, Now this morning, as we uh, continue our series, Dinner with Jesus, uh, we're kind of like moving some things around. If you've been with us for a little while, you say, hey, why are you talking about this now? You talk about this like later in the service, but we're moving some things around intentionally because uh, the passage that we're going to look at today really kind of challenges even just kind of our approach to Sunday morning and our approach to how we think about doing stuff for Jesus. Uh, And so I want to invite you to uh, enter into this space a little bit differently with me this morning Uh, We're going to be doing our normal scripture reading, which is going to be in Luke chapter 10, uh, verses 38 through 42. Uh, It's going to be on the screen. There's only four verses. Uh, And so to kind of enter into this uh, with a little bit of a different posture, uh, I want you to uh, do something with me. Uh, I want you to maybe like empty your hands for a second. Uh, Maybe put your feet on the ground. If you're a note taker, don't worry. You can pick up your pen in a little bit. Uh, But I want us to enter into this uh, scripture uh, with our whole selves. Because sometimes you come into church and it's very busy. You come into church and there's lots to think about, lots to do. Uh, Maybe even if you're like new here, you feel a little bit anxious. You're like, I don't know if I'm doing the right thing. Uh, We want to enter into this scripture uh, with our full selves. And so what I'm going to do, since it's only four verses, I'm actually going to read this twice. I'm going to read it slowly. um, Because I want you to kind of imagine that you're in the room as this is happening. I want you to kind of uh, feel and experience what the scripture is saying. That's what God's word actually wants us to do, is to enter into it uh, and experience it. And maybe even if you want to do this, if you've had enough coffee this morning, maybe even close your eyes uh, and listen to this. Uh, So I'm going to read it twice, uh, and just kind of let's, let's allow God's word to just speak over us. Luke chapter 10, 38 to 42. Now as they went on their way, You are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Luke chapter 10, 38 through 42. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary Which will not be taken away from her. This is God's word for us this morning. Would you pray with me? God, as we sit under your word, uh, as we allow it to speak, as we allow it to shape our thoughts and our imagination, uh, would you uh, stir up some things in our heart, open our minds to understand what you're saying here? Uh, Would you uh, use the words that I speak to uh, point to Jesus? Uh, the words that don't point to Jesus let people forget them. Uh, so that everything that we do here this morning would be about you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I don't know if you caught the earth shattering event that happened this week. Uh, on Monday, something shook the globe. Now, maybe you didn't feel it, maybe you didn't hear it, uh, but for six hours, Facebook was down. Now, if you work in the social media world, you were like out of a job for a day. You're like, what am I supposed to do? Maybe you're not in that world and so you didn't feel it. Uh, But for six hours, if you went to Facebook.com or Instagram or whatever, you couldn't get there, You couldn't get on. Uh, And it was really interesting uh, because this has happened before in the past. It's not the first time that you couldn't log on to Facebook uh, for a period of time. Uh, But this time, it seemed like people were uh, kind of panicking, but then also like, experiencing some freedom. Right? There were some people who uh, joked that it was the most productive day that they'd had since 2006 uh, because they weren't logging on or checking their notifications or looking at cat videos on Facebook. They were free from that thing. But there's another group of people, uh, interestingly enough, that rediscovered Twitter in those six hours. Uh, They kind of, for the first time in a long time, dug up their password, logged onto Twitter. In fact, so many people were on Twitter on Monday that the servers for Twitter had a hard time keeping up. And a lot of people on Twitter were talking about Facebook, and they were tweeting about how free they felt from Facebook, and maybe it'd be better if we just never, like, brought it back. They were experiencing a new kind of thing. Now, there's an irony in there, isn't it? Right, that that we're free from this thing that seems like it controls our lives and dominates our conversations and creates so much drama, we're free from it. But in the moment that we're free from it, what do we do? We find another distraction. Right? We we talk about how we're free from social media on another social media network. And see, I think that irony I think tells us something about ourselves. It reveals something about our hearts. Now, whether or not you're on any of those social networks, maybe you don't care, maybe you're just totally free from all those things, I think this thing is still true for all of us, and that's this, that we actually prefer our distractions. Right? If, if we had a choice between doing nothing or doing something, we would choose something. Right? Here's how you know. Uh, your phone has a power button. When was the last time you rediscovered your power button on your phone? those things that distract us, uh, we, if we're honest, on most things, we have a choice with them, but we choose not to. You see, our hearts are drawn to something. Our hearts are drawn to distraction, to be doing something, and that's what I want to explore with you this morning through this story, is why is it that our hearts are so drawn to doing things rather than simply being? And so I just want to talk about three things. I want to talk about the source of our distracted hearts. Why is it that our hearts are so drawn to distractions? Second, I want to talk about the solution to our distracted hearts. The solution to our distracted hearts. And then third, the one thing that matters. The one thing that matters. So first, we talk about uh, why is it that we're drawn to these distractions, right? Whether or not it's social media for you, the reality is that we would choose to do something rather than doing nothing. And I think the reason why is this. is because as long as we're doing something, Right? We prefer doing over being, simply being, because when we are just not doing anything, we're forced to confront reality. Right? We're forced to, in that moment, when I don't have something to do, when I'm not distracted by something, all of a sudden, it's like you realize that you exist. Right? Oh, I'm here. And, and now, when you're in that space where you have nothing to do, right, bigger questions sort of creep into your mind. A couple of weeks ago, I was in a waiting room, and I had left my phone at home. And it was kind of this weird moment where, like, I was like scratching in my pocket. I'm like, there has to be something there. I, I need this distraction. And-, and when I didn't have it, it was kind of like I started asking bigger questions about my life. I'm, like, what am I doing here? I mean, is-, is my life making a difference? Right, distractions keep us from kind of asking those scarier, bigger questions. And so we would rather do something or be distracted by something than sit and be because when we are just simply being, we have to ask some deeper, harder questions about life. And so we choose distraction because it's easier. We choose busyness because it's easier because I don't have to ask those bigger questions. And and, and then we can sort of deny reality, right? Or we don't have to face reality. Right, like, uh, if you've ever been in a relationship, whether it's romantic or just like a roommate or a friend, and, and you get into sort of an argument or things get a little icy or things get a little awkward, uh, rather than facing the reality of your relationship, it's a whole lot easier to turn on Netflix and watch a show together. Right? You don't have to talk about it, right? You can just watch this thing, and, and it sort of allows us to deny the reality of our relationship. And I think this is why working from home is hard for a lot of people, because working away from home almost became a distraction where I don't have to face the reality of my home, and so I can go off to work and feel successful or feel proud of my work, but really my home life is in shambles. But now that we work from home, right, now we have to face that reality. Uh, If you're an empty nester, you and your spouse, your partner raised kids for 18 years, and then there's that moment where they all leave home, and what are you left with? You spent so much time doing parenting that you have forgotten to be married. And so you're faced with the reality of like, okay, who is this person that I'm with? That reality of how your relationship has been shaped over 18 years, this can be a hard space. I think this is why addictions are so powerful, right? It's because uh, oftentimes something hard will happen in your life, something painful will happen in your life. uh, And rather than face the reality of that reality of, of that pain, it's easier to be distracted. With with an addiction, with a substance. It allows you to escape reality. It's a distraction. That's why in recovery, so often the first thing is getting over denial, admitting that you have a problem. You see, we'd much rather do something than face reality, than simply be and kind of figure out who we are. And you see, Christians, we're not off the hook on this either. Right? Because sometimes in the church world, right, you you become a Christian, you join a church, and what do churches want you to do? They want you to serve. They want you to join a group. They want you to volunteer. They want you to contribute. And before long, you're doing so much for church. You're doing so much in the name of Christianity that there's no being left. And I think this is why this past year has been so hard for so many people, because we had a Christianity that was all about doing things for Jesus. And when everything was shut down and when everything went online, people didn't know how to simply be a Christian. Or to simply be with Jesus without doing things. You see, our hearts are restless. We feel uncomfortable with ourselves. There's something about being that we want to avoid. And so let's talk about the solution then. Right? if our hearts are drawn to distraction because we're, we have this disquiet or this discomfort in ourselves, then what's the solution? I want you to look at Martha. Uh, because Martha in this story often gets a bad rap. There's often a lot of judgment thrown on her. But if you look at the beginning of the story, she actually wants to spend time with Jesus. Right? She's the one who invites Jesus into her home. She seeks him out. She says, Jesus, why don't you come? I want to spend time with you. I've been seeing how you spend dinner with people. I want to have dinner with you. I want to get to know you. Right? Her heart is in the right place. But what happens? She becomes so distracted with what has to get done for Jesus that she doesn't actually spend time with Jesus. And, and, and think about it. Jesus, he doesn't just come alone. He comes with like 12 guys. right? So there's a lot of serving. And even kind of the, the subtext of what Luke is saying here is that culturally, she was expected to be the host. Culturally, she was expected to provide and, and set a table and prepare the meal. There were all kinds of expectations of what she was supposed to do. But these good things became a distraction from her being with Jesus. And I, and I think this is the unique danger of religious approaches to Jesus. Because religion will often offer you a list of things to do. And if you want to get right with Jesus or you want to know Jesus, you have to do these couple things. You have to pray these prayers or act this kind of way or give this to charity or do these things, and then you'll be right with Jesus. But that's distracting you from Jesus. That's what, Mary, that's what Martha is doing in this space. She's distracted by everything that she thinks she has to do. But then in our world, there's kind of a, an alternative approach, which says, well, just look deep inside yourself. All right, just look deep inside yourself. you feel uncomfortable with yourself, you feel like you have a whole lot of things to do, then, then what you need to do is kind of forget everything around you and look inside yourself and define yourself for yourself. Uh, but I want you to see that that, that doesn't work either. All right, look at Martha's response to Jesus. She turns to Jesus and she says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Now notice she says me or my three times in those two sentences. So simply just being focused on myself is not the solution. Just kind of digging deeper into myself to say, who am I and and how do I find peace with myself? That's not what Jesus is offering either. That's part of the problem. And so Jesus says, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things. You're anxious and troubled about many things. And and he says, what Mary has chosen will not be taken away from her. You see, whether it's a to-do list for religion or it's a, a deep dive into who I am and defining myself for myself, neither of those things will offer you peace. Neither of those things will offer you freedom from your anxious heart or freedom from your sense of trouble. Because as long as it's a religious list of things to do, there will always be more to do. Right? As long as there's a religious list of things that you have to do in order to overcome your sense of, of whether I'm good or bad, there will always be more things to do. And if it's just simply diving into myself to discover who I am, there's always going to be more of you to discover. You're always going to be kind of unsettled. There's going to be new feelings and new things that crop up. And so if I define myself based on myself, then I'm always going to be anxious and troubled. And so neither of those things are the solution to why I'm so troubled, to why I feel so distracted, to why I choose doing something over doing nothing. So what's the solution? Jesus points at Mary. He says, look at Mary. She has chosen one thing, and there is only one thing that is necessary. There's only one thing that is required, only one thing that is needed. So if you are tired of the to-do list, if you are tired of constantly having to define yourself based on yourself and figure out who you are to tell other people who you are, if you are tired of that, Jesus says there's only one thing. And what is that one thing? That one thing is to look at Jesus. That one thing is to sit at his feet one thing is to center your life on him. Mary in this story is taking the the posture, the position of a disciple. And in Luke's story previously, he used the same language, sitting at his feet and and listening for all of his disciples. And so what he is saying here is is Mary is choosing to be a disciple. She's choosing to sit at the feet of Jesus. Now that's pretty radical, because that was not a, a role for a woman. But Jesus is saying, she's my disciple as well. So he's elevating her. He's lifting up her. He's putting an equal sign between her and the other disciples. But what is she doing? She's simply sitting and focusing on Jesus. You see, she's not concerned about the to-do list. She's also not looking inward to say, who am I? She is looking beyond herself. She is looking outside of herself. And what is she looking at? She's looking at Jesus. You see, Jesus has done everything that's required. If there is a to-do list that God expects, Jesus checked all the things off the list. There's nothing else that you can do. Jesus has done it all. And so when you fix your attention on what he has done, when you lift your eyes off of yourself and your own trouble, and your own anxious heart, and you look at what Jesus has done, it will lead to freedom, it will lead to rest, because you will realize that there's nothing else that I have to do. Jesus has done it all. I want you to hear this from a, a verse in 2 Corinthians, because this is a really powerful verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. The Apostle Paul is talking about this idea, and I want you to catch what he's saying, because, because this is what really separates Christianity from, from any other approach to finding peace, to finding happiness, to finding connection with God, is it's not a to-do list. It's not a, even a, a self-reflection kind of thing, that you have to figure some things out or find peace for yourself. Christianity is different than that. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, this is what Paul says. He says, and we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Now, here's what he's saying. He says, we all with unveiled face. He says, lift your eyes off yourself. Look at Jesus. Look at him full on. Look at what he is, who he is, what he has done. And as you behold him, right? That's beholding is like my my attention is fixed. I am behold- Think of like a groom on the wedding day. He's beholding his bride. Right? He's looking at the thing that he desires. As you behold him, notice what happens. You are being transformed. That's a passive verb. That's not- He's not saying behold Jesus and then seek your transformation. He says as you behold Jesus, you will be transformed. You see, the way of Christianity, the way of being a disciple of Jesus, is not about doing a whole bunch of things. It's not about activity and and making yourself right by all of your actions. It's not even about looking inside yourself. It's about getting over yourself and fixing your attention on what Jesus has done. And when Jesus was on the cross, what did he say? It is finished. There's no more to-do list. There's no more self-examination that you have to do in order to figure out, how do I find peace in the world? Jesus has made peace for you on the cross. That the disquiet that you feel in yourself, this question of, am I, am I worthy? Am I good? Am I doing the right things? Jesus has answered all those things on the cross. He said, it is finished. It is done. And so when you fix your eyes on Jesus, when you behold what he has done, this is really what it means to be a Christian, is to say, okay, I have this list of things that I've done wrong. Right? I have this list of things that I've done good, but neither of those things count. Jesus has done the only thing that's required. And so I lift my eyes off myself, and I trust in what he has done. You see, the heart of being a disciple of Jesus, of trusting Jesus, the heart of being a Christian, it's not about doing things for Jesus. It's about being with Jesus, beholding Jesus, making him the center of your heart, the center of your attention, the center of your identity. And this is the one thing that matters, And third point the one thing that matters. Jesus says this will not be taken away from her. The one good thing, the one thing that she chooses will not be taken away from her. As long as there's a to-do list, there's always going to be more to do. As long as it's based on kind of my self-identity and figuring out who I am and deciding that for myself, there's always going to be uncertainty in there. But when you fix your eyes on Jesus, the one thing that is required is done. And so you can finally truly rest in his feet. And the more that you behold him, the more that you gaze at him, the more that you tell yourself over and over and over again what he has done for you, the more freedom and rest you'll find. Because he has already done everything that's required. This is the one thing that is required. this is really important because it could be easy to think, okay, I do Christian things, and therefore I'm a Christian. I go to church, and therefore I'm a Christian. Uh, I, I read my Bible, and therefore I'm a Christian. I, I give to charity, therefore I'm a Christian. But that's not what Jesus says. Those are all distractions from the heart of what it means to be a Christian. And So if you're here, maybe you're figuring out what that word means, Christian. Maybe you're rediscovering what that word Christian means. I Don't miss the heart of it. It's not about doing things. It's about being with Jesus and trusting what he's done for you. But Christian, let me ask you this. Have you been so busy doing things for Jesus that you have forgotten to spend time with Jesus? Right? Have you been so busy doing things for Jesus that you have forgotten to spend time with Jesus? Right? Let's be honest. like We're not immune to this here at our church, because right? if you join our church family, we, we ask you to serve. And then we have a group that you can connect in. And, and maybe even this Sunday morning you came in and said, okay, i got a role i got to serve in. And it was a long week, and so you come in and you your, fulfill your serve duty, and, and you're kind of in service, and now you're going to leave, and there's more things to do. But have you spent time on Jesus? Simply being with him. Now, what does that mean, to be with Jesus? I mean, how do I do that, right? Like, Mary could sit at his feet, and he was right there. Right, but, but as last time I checked, I haven't been able to like sit at the feet of Jesus and he's right there. Right? So how do I actually do that? Right, how do I spend time with Jesus? I want to give you three things. Uh, but here's the caution. I want to give you three things. These are not three to-dos. Right? If you approach them as to-dos, you're negating the whole point. And this, is, I, this part of the sermon is for me because I am Martha. I'm always doing things. I get restless. I I feel like if I have like half an hour of nothing, I have to go do something or break something so I can fix it. I need to do something. And so when we talk about these, these are three things that have been transformative in my life from time to time. Uh, And and as I've been working on this sermon, right, this sermon has been working on me, uh, has been telling me, hey, you need to stop. You need to listen. You need to be silent. You need to be still because I was so caught up in the doing of this. And so I want to just give you three phrases, three habits that you can weave into your day or your week or your life that will help you be with Jesus, but they are not checklist things. They are not to-do things. And the moment that they become to-do things, you're distracted. And so let me just give you three things that you can do. These kind of grow in uh, the amount of time or the amount of intentionality, the amount of focus. Right, so the first thing is this, silence. silence. Silence is uncomfortable. Even in just those couple seconds, people were looking up, like, what happened? Did he just pass out on stage? Silence. Silence is cutting out all the voices, all the noise in my day, in my week. It's saying, I need to cut all these things out. There are so many voices and noises clamoring for your attention. But silence is saying, I'm going to turn those things off, and I'm going to be present for a moment. I'm going to listen for the voice of Jesus." Now, this doesn't have to be crazy. Right? It could be simply a matter of turning the radio off in your car. Right? When I get into my car, I turn the radio on, boom, the, or I turn the car on, the radio's going right away. And it goes all the way until I get somewhere. And, and the whole time I've been listening, like half listening to noise. But what if you just turn the noise off for a minute, for five minutes, for 10 minutes, and just said, I'm going to just be still and listen. Silence. second thing is this. Slow reading of Scripture. Slow reading of Scripture. Now, if you've ever done a Bible reading plan on the Bible app, uh, I love it and I hate it. I love it because it keeps me in the Word. I hate it because it it becomes a checklist. There's even a checkbox that I have to check to get through the plan. But slow reading of Scripture is different. It's what we just did at the beginning of the sermon. It's what we do in our community prayer times at 945 when we gather before we serve is we read a verse or two slowly to listen to it, to chew on it, to meditate on it, to allow it to speak to us. And there's a time to, to get through the story, to read through the book, but there's also a time to just meditate on a word, to meditate on a verse. And so slow reading of scripture is saying, I'm just gonna pick this verse and I'm gonna just read it a few times. Maybe just read it for the day. Put it on your dashboard, put it on your phone and allow that one verse to kind of become the verse for you that day slow reading of Scripture. The third thing is this, Sabbath. Sabbath is this command throughout Scripture from beginning to end. Now, in the Old Testament, Sabbath came with a lot of rules because our distracted hearts in the Old Testament built a lot of rules around it to say, this is how you do it. It became a checklist kind of thing. But in the New Testament, Jesus said that Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. In other words, he's saying, here's a gift that God wants to give you. And Sabbath is simply saying, I'm going to take this amount of time, and I'm going to do nothing useful. I'm going to do nothing useful, so I'm not going to check anything off my to-do list. I'm not going to try to check my religious performance. I'm going to simply say, this time is for you, Jesus. Now, in our culture, we've kind of made Sabbath like you can't do these kinds of things, right? You don't go to movies, or you don't do this on Sunday. That's not really the spirit of Sabbath. Sabbath is a time to rest and to trust. To trust that Jesus has provided everything that's needed. If you work a manual labor job, Sabbath might look like sitting on your butt at home. If you work a a, a thinking job or a desk job, it might mean getting up and moving. because Sabbath is about experiencing life as God intended it. So he says, take this time, an hour, two hours, three hours, maybe even a whole day, and sit and trust in who I am. Sabbath is saying, I'm going to do nothing useful so that I can be reminded that God has done everything that is required. Silence, slow reading of scripture, Sabbath. And doesn't that sound nice? Doesn't that sound good? It's not a list of things to do. It's not a checklist. Jesus says one thing is necessary, to sit at my feet and to trust what I have done for you. This is his heart for you. This is his heart for your life. It's not a burdensome list It's not an endless meditation on who I am at this deep level in order to define who I am. It is trusting in what he's done. And the more that you behold what he has done, it will lead to freedom and peace and rest because that's what he wants for you. Let me pray for us this morning. Jesus, we are here because of what you have done for us. You said, it is finished. God, so often we don't trust those words. So often we put an asterisk there and say, but there's more to be done. Father, forgive us for the ways in which our hearts are distracted, in which we chase after all these things because we aren't willing to simply be. For the one who's here this morning who maybe doesn't know you or or is maybe rediscovering you, and they're tired of the checklist, They're tired of always having to figure out who they are for themselves. Jesus, would you be the center? Would you invite them to rest in what you have done, that you have forgiven their sins, you have paid the price for everything, that everything is done, and what is simply required is to trust you. And Father, we ask for your forgiveness for the ways in which we are distracted by much serving, distracted by all the things that it seems like we have to do, but there's only one thing necessary. So this morning, Father, would you draw us into that space of rest at your feet? As we approach the table, as we consider what you have done for us, God, would we not rush into this distracted by much to doing, but by resting and trusting in who you are? It's the name of Jesus that we pray these things. Amen.